Hi, this is Chris Sudwells, and I want to share a little story with you. On December the 20th this year, Rick Van Looy will celebrate his 90th birthday. He was the number one classics rider of the mid-20th century, and one of the greatest of all time. The press called him the Emperor of Herentals, Herentals being the town close to where Van Looy was born, where he lived for most of his life and where he granted me an audience with him a few years ago. So to celebrate the great man's 90th, I thought I'd share with you how my audience with the Emperor went and what was said. Rick Van Looy is still the only man to have won every single day classic on the calendar. So long as you define the classics as all the monuments plus Ghent Bevelgem, Flesh Wallone and Paritour, which was the convention of his day. If Jacques Anquetil was the master of stage races of the late 1950s and the early 60s, Rick Van Looy was the classics king. He was a fierce competitor, high-handed in his dominance and scored 492 victories in a professional career that lasted nearly 20 years. The first thing that struck me when we met, and it wasn't that long ago, was how recognisable he was as the man you see in the photographs, ripping the legs off everyone, hammering down cobbled roads, flattening brutal climbs and laying waste to the peloton. Age had lined his face, had thinned his hair, but he was still fit, lean and extremely sharp. Rick is short for Henrik and Herontals is in a region of Belgium called the Kempen. It's the land east of Antwerp and a mix of farms, heathland and small forests of pine. Tom Boonen is a Kempenar, which is what they call people from round there. So is another Belgian cycling legend, Rick van Steenbergen. Van Louis had one brother, and although his childhood was tough by today's standards, he told me that it wasn't exceptional for the time. His mother died when he was quite young, which meant he had a fairly free reign. I often skipped school, he said. But he didn't skip school to hang around on street corners or be a nuisance. He did it to earn money, and as Van Louis later revealed, money is important to him. I had a paper round, he said, continuing with his story. 500 to 600 newspapers delivered every day, and I did it on a bike weighing 25 kilograms. It took me from six in the morning until midday, so seeing as I've already missed the morning at school, sometimes I miss the afternoon as well. Those afternoons were when Rick Van Louis was introduced to cycling, as he explained. I had a neighbour who raced, he raced with the amateurs, and I would go to races with him. When we got there, I'd take his spare bike and ride around the circuit in the opposite direction to the one he was racing in. And I tried to do as many laps as I could before he finished. By doing that, and by doing my newspaper round on that heavy bike, it built me up. And as he said it, he put his hands around one of his thighs, just to emphasise. <laughs> Looking back on his career now, 
You'd think Rick Van Looy might have been an instant success when he started racing, but he wasn't. I started at 15 with the 15 to 16 year old age group, but in my first race I was lapped five times in 20 laps, he told me. It didn't take long to break through though. Van Looy had 16 consecutive victories the following year, and cycling wasn't his only sport. I love football, and I combined playing football with cycling until after the start of my pro career. In fact, the last time I played was for the Belgian military team, and that was just after I'd turned pro in 1953. I was seventh in Paris Tour, then I went straight into the Belgian army to do my national service. I played my last game of football in the army, he said. Van Looy turned pro at 19 after winning 150 races and two Belgian national titles as an amateur. But he also had disappointments. And the worst of those was when he punctured twice during the road race at the 1952 Helsinki Olympic Games. Belgian professionals were dominating single day racing in the late 1950s. Winning 15 out of 25 monuments held between 1955 and 1959 including five straight victories in the Age Baston Liège. Fred de Bruyne, Stan Ockers, Germain Dereke, Léon van Dale and Rick van Looy were all winners in that era. But van Looy was the youngest of the Belgians who dominated those races, although he didn't lack confidence. I'd heard a story that well before he won his first pro road race title, Rick van Looy bought a stock of rainbow jerseys because he was so sure he'd need them. I had to know if that was true, so I asked him. He smiled sheepishly and said, yes, I did, or rather my sponsor did. It was in 1957 when the Worlds were held on a circuit around Waregem in West Flanders. I'd finished second the previous year, and my sponsor, Fayema, was confident I'd win because the circuit suited me. They bought some rainbow jerseys and had them printed up ready to wear straight after the race. But Van Steenbergen won. He was still very fast then, and Louise Ombobé and André Daragard could sprint too. They all beat me, and I was fourth. Van Louis smiled at the recollection. But he didn't have to wait long to wear those rainbow jerseys. He took consecutive pro road race world titles in 1960 and 1961, as well as silver medals in 1956 and 1963. Both times I was beaten by a Belgian, he pointed out. The first silver was to Rick van Steenberg in a straight fight for the finish in Copenhagen. But the second was anything but straight. In fact, the notoriety of the finish of the 1963 Men's Pro Road Race World Championships in Ronsa, Belgium, holds the same place in cycling that Diego Maradona's Hand of God does in football. The race was on a short circuit right on the edge of the Flemish Ardennes, and despite lots of attacks, it came down to a big group sprint. It was mayhem, with accusations of pushing and shoving going on. Even the winner, Benoni Behait of Belgium, crossed the line with his hand firmly on van Rick van Looy's back. Van Looy instantly claimed that Behait had grabbed his jersey and pulled him backwards. Behait replied that he was fending van Looy off because van Looy was riding into the barriers. There was a lot of arguing, lots of column inches, TV interviews and heated debate in bars all over Belgium. There's been quite a lot of talk about it since, although never from Behate. 
I don't think he ever publicly spoke about it after it happened. So I had to ask Van Louis, was it a push or was it a pull? It was a pull, he said, then added, there's another thing about that finish. If I'd known Behate was going to sprint, I would have done my sprint differently. In the finale, Behate told me he had cramp and he wouldn't be able to do anything for me. He was my teammate. We discussed the race beforehand and it was agreed that the whole Belgian team would ride for me. Behate should have led me out if he was able to. Okay, that was that answered. But seeing as you get a straight answer, if you ask Rick Van Louis a straight question, I had to touch on another tricky subject. His relationship with Eddie Merckx. Over the years since his race, Merckx has made peace with lots of people he had big differences with during his career. You don't get to be the greatest ever without treading on a few toes. But Merckx never made peace with Van Louis. What was Van Louis' take on that? Oh, we are the best of friends, he said in mocking innocence, then smiled. No, we're not. Merck says that I followed him in every race, and of course I did. He was the best, aren't those good tactics? Follow the best and out-sprint them. Even now, if I see him at a dinner, I tell him that I'm following him. It still makes him angry. I got the impression that making Eddie Merckx angry does wonders for Rick Van Louis. But as he expanded on that subject with other stories about what he'd done to wind up the cannibal, there was more than an inference that Van Louis thought his compatriot's sense of humour was lacking. It was confirmed when I asked about an accusation I'd heard from Merckx that Van Louis and his teammates did nothing but deride him in 1965, when Merckx was a brand new pro with Van Louis's solo superior team. Oh, that's because we gave him a nickname, Van Louis told me. We all had them in the team. Everybody does in here in the Kempen. It's a tradition. We called Merckx Jack Palance. After the film star, he just thought we were laughing at him. Maybe it's because he comes from a different region and didn't understand our customs, Van Louis suggested, shrugging his shoulders and feigning mock innocence again. Yeah, I believe you, Rick. Merckx joined Peugeot BP after Van Louis' team, which was led by Tom Simpson. Simpson and Van Louis had a good few battles in the classics. Simpson won the Tour of Flanders in 1961 when Van Louis was wearing the rainbow jersey. And winning Flanders in the rainbow jersey is very special in Flemish cycling. They had another scrap in the same race the following year when Van Louis still had the jersey. But this time the Belgian came out on top with Simpson fifth. So, being as is my uncle and all that, and I was in front of one of the best of the same generation, I had to ask Rick, how good was Tom Simpson? He was very good, Van Louis told me without hesitation, then added something I wasn't expecting. Tom would be very good today as well, which isn't always the case with champions from the past. Talking of racing today, Van Louis isn't keen on some of the ways the sport has developed, although he stressed there were lots of riders he really admired. I think racing lacks spontaneity now, but then all sport does. And we talk about all these rules in the peloton, like you can't attack through a feed zone or when anybody stops for a pee. We attacked wherever and whenever we wanted, he said. But what about some bike developments? Surely you would like to race on a modern bike. I like some things, he replied. Clipless pedals are good. The shoes and saddles are better than we had too. A leather saddle would sag by two centimetres during a wet race. 
and the clothing is very good now as well. If I was two kilos overweight and I went out training in the wet wearing woolen stuff that we had, when I came home I was ten kilos heavier. The wool held so much water. You know, it's good to hear the views of old champions. They can sometimes be a bit rose-tinted, but they often have very compelling arguments for what they say, and they have the experience and the gravitas to say it. They've got the t-shirt, as we say today. Rick Van Lewis certainly has. He loved the age he raced, a common enough emotion from anyone of any age, but he's no romantic. His answer to my final question revealed that. It was so candid, I've never forgotten it. And I still quote it often in my live talks today. I like to ask old champions what their favourite victory was, the one they are proudest of. When I asked Rick Van Louis that question, his answer nailed professional cycling smack on the head, especially as it was in his day. My best victory was my bank account, he told me. Paris-Roubaix, the being world champion, the Tour of Flanders, they're all nice, they sound great, but I'm proudest of the money I made. It means that today I am somebody, and I started out as nobody. People like lawyers and bank managers who wouldn't have looked at me as a kid now hold the door open for me and say thank you, Mr Van Looy. That's my favourite victory. And that was a good point to leave him in peace. So, happy birthday, Emperor Rick, from all of us at the Cycling Legends podcast. <laughs>